You've found yourself 100 Yards Over the Rim, a podcast series from the Land of Enchantment in which we talk about the lasting impact and influence of the Twilight Zone. And I'm joined here by Paul Thompson. He's the creative visual director for Virtual Light Media. Yeah. He's a uh, audiovisual wizard. I, I'm a, a wizard wizard. It's the beard. <laughs> I do want to thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for uh, joining me for this particular episode. It's one of my favorites and definitely one of the ones that stands out. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it always has been one of my favorites as well. It, it's just got that weird <laughs> creep factor to it. It's It's unsettling even from the beginning and then gets worse. <laughs> I remember I, I saw an interview once with Jordan Peele while he was working on the new version of the Twilight Zone. It was, mm-hmm. He called that effect the uh, the Serling Wink. Okay. I feel like that's a smart way to put it. Yeah. It's just an eloquent twist that just stays. It's just and like it gets twistier at the end. I feel that. Yeah, no, it's just here. It's it, not just the one turn, but like you're like keeps turning <laughs> exactly it's one of the it, it like winches mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes <laughs> the so, winch so um with this episode was there something in this episode that stood out to you as a viewer uh yeah really there we had some of those um some the shots that were the composite shots that are really visually striking uh they don't use that a whole lot um, in in the Twilight Zone and only for good effect but they do it several times in this episode and it um, it, it plays out really well nothing uh, looks particularly jarring or out of focus or anything the only one that does kind of age a little poorly in my opinion is the final chasing shot but they, even that still stands very strong yeah 60, 70 years later yeah absolutely um and, and even with the roughness around the edges of it, I think all that is um, forgiven with the, the look that he gives himself when he turns around. And, I mean, he is, like, smiling um, and, and just really aware of the fact that he's a body snatcher and he's taking over in this in this particular universe. Definitely this cat that, that ate the canary look. <laughs> um, as a filmmaker, if, was there anything that stood out to you in this episode as well? Um, yeah, there was there was some, some really good shots. Uh, kind of going back to that same topic, uh, the, the, the scene with Millicent and, and her doppelganger on the bus. Um, as she runs away and then the camera um, tilts up and there is her already on the bus. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of camera movement in this episode, uh, but when it happens, it is, um, it's pretty dramatic. It's used for good effect. Um, which is good, I think, especially in this era, um, camera movement can be distracting sometimes um, if it moves too far or too fast. So I, I think that the small little, you know, maybe 
10 degree movements. Um, like the, the slight pans. Like yeah, pedestal. just exactly the, the little turns. Um, that and of course the classic Twilight Zone um, whip pan cuts. Um, which they, I think there was a few of those in this episode. I think they used those pretty pretty effectively in this episode too, honestly. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you got to add in the little, like, harp and marimbas. Bling! <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always good for dramatic effect, especially because I want to say this episode came out. Air this must was. have been 50, 59, late 59 or early 60. Uh, February 1960. <laughs> I'm, I'm that good. Thank you, brother. Well, I think you and I both have this in common. We both grew up watching a bunch of Twilight Zone. We both watched Outer Limits, Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. Any, any anthology series in black and white. <laughs> all the fun spooky shows were good. Like, yeah. They, they were all good. That was part of it, though. Um, and it wasn't until the 80s when they started making too many anthology shows and in the 90, early 90s. Um, that it kind of fell off. Although I will say the one caveat to that is, of course, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, greatest um, thriller anthology series of all time. I am forever haunted by the Purple Goo episode where they, <laughs> the people were just spitting out like that purple ooze. Uh-huh. Oh, no, that's, that, that still stays very fresh in my brain. Uh, the, the one where, the, where he's trapped in the mall Oh, yeah. That <laughs> That's one of my very favorite episodes. And it, it was very creepy. And he also um, resolved his problems with a super soaker, uh, which is about as early 90s as you can get. Oh, yeah. It definitely made a splash. I'm sorry for the bad pun. No, I'm not. <laughs> I've never heard you make it. I mean, when I say a good pun, I don't. Is that such a thing? That in and of itself, I think, is, is an oxymoron. That, that's fair. It's like, the worse uh, a pun is, the better it is. That, that's very true. I feel like there's two faces of a good pun, and it's either a scowl or a really, really cheesy, you like Krabby Patties kind of smile. Yeah, and if it's if it's really good, you'll get both. The reaction will turn from one to the other. Exactly. And you're hoping for yeah. a more positive transition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm good either way. <laughs> Definitely. Overall, uh, what did you think of this episode, Mirror Image? Uh, you know, it's it, it's definitely um, up there on my favorites list. I mean, what's what's a favorite episodes of of Twilight Zone? That's like two thirds of the show, but um, <laughs> at least for this first season, um, I I like I like the pacing of it. You really feel her anticipation um, and growing dread. Some some episodes kind of rush by, and some are very slow. Um, and this one, ha- not only does it sit right in the middle, but the pacing of it ramps up throughout the episode as, as it, um, it you know things get weirder. There's more tension. Um, the cuts are faster. Some of the pans are harder and go further. Um, whereas you know it's very static shots kind of um, at, at the beginning, um, and so I, I appreciate that it it kind of has all of those um, Twilight Zoney elements in it um, without resorting to any 
camera wigs or <laughs> fourth wall breaks. Yeah, or just heavy morality play. You know, life's hard enough without being beat over the head with rules. I know, and plus the thing with a parable show like The Twilight Zone, sometimes it does get very ham-fisted in its message. But when it's executed beautifully, it's always yeah. the ones that last the longest, like say Monsters on Maple Street or something right. like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and I think the good parable, the the lesson learned from this episode is don't just disregard people when they are one maybe having what might be a mental health episode or two just saying something that you don't understand you know she was just concerned but she you know there was nothing that she said or did which would necessitate forced confinement um but you know again this was this was the the 50s like if you if a woman was crazy talking then she was crazy and Lock her up. Yeah, that was kind of... That was a resolution in the episode that did feel a little rough. Yeah. Shall we say? It was just... I I do feel like she deserved better than what she got. She got the short end of the stick at the end. And if that episode had ended there, it would have been bad. But then Homie gets his comeuppance. Yeah, he did. That was... Pork pie hat gets... He gets body snatched. And then... um, (laughs) and, and, And that's... That's the real ending, is that it? It's not an un. It's not just like a one-time thing. It could that, happen to anybody. Yeah, and it could could be everybody. Yep, and it, I love that because it leaves that window of your reality is subjective to whoever is living it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, you know the my my belief and understanding of of what what we call reality you know it, it we are so close to these other possible you know resolutions to probability it, you know it, it, it's hard to say that you know this, this is one of the more plausible episodes i would say um <laughs> in in all of uh, twilight zone it, it's yeah i mean who's to say that it doesn't happen um, you know, and, and one thing I did notice that happens a lot outside of the television is, have you noticed that uh, there's occasionally a social media post where people will show, statistically speaking, I want to say there's what eight billion people on the planet. There are people I guarantee that look exactly like us. Yeah, absolutely. At least two or three. Every everybody has a doppelganger. Um, my mom met hers one time, and like they could have been twins. Like they, they were the exact same height, same like eye distance. Like we, it was very bizarre. Um, I have not yet met my doppelganger. I've met a few people that look very similar, but I know who it is. He was a pro wrestler in the um, late 90s, early 2000s. He had long hair. And like, if I was like swapped 100 pounds of fat for 100 pounds of muscle, like we could be twins. (laughs) And I really wish I could remember his name because um, I was just having this conversation the other day and it bothers me. But um, yeah, we're like spitting image. We have the same nose, the same like hairline. But so yeah, everybody has a doppelganger and you you may or may not meet them. They may or may not be on, on your continent. They, you know, but they're out there. And what's, you know, but and that's just a physical thing. Like, 
what if you have like um, a, an emotional doppelganger, like a conscious consciousness soul doppelganger? Yeah, that you would never even know because they don't look like you. And that could very well be a thing. I mean, it does tie into the concept of soulmates. Yeah, um, which which I'm you know I'm not against. I definitely have had um, experience of a soulmate and and twin flame in my life. And I don't think that either one of them is a. There's only one out there for you because that's just not how reality works <laughs> yeah that's very true um i'm not um, like i'm not like a cork where, where there's just an exact copy of me that it spins in the opposite direction like there is something different um and and you i don't know we're, i know we're getting a little off topic here but like just you know lo- yeah. uh, love all you want <laughs> don't ever feel like you should never love anyone or everyone yeah at i the same time i could definitely agree with that <laughs> There's also this concept with uh, the multiverse as well, which I think is a lot of fun because this episode does tie into that whole parallel reality thing. I think that's a very interesting facet to the Twilight Zone because it is a parallel dimension, the anthology's whole overarching MacGuffin. Right. Well, I mean, that's the opening narration most most of the time anyways is you know you're you're entering a world you know what i mean it's not where you were before it's not you're not in your living room anymore now you're in the twilight zone um and and yeah this episode i think more more than most um definitely plays into that feeling of breaking down those barriers between realities uh, this and, and Little Girl Lost, uh, another one of my favorites, uh, where there was a literal hole between u- realities and, and universes. And fortunately enough, uh, once we get to season, th- I want to say it's season three of Little Girl Lost. I like that's three. If you want, I'll be happy to have you back as a guest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's with this definitely out there on my very favorite episodes. Um, will haunt me to the end of my days. Daddy, where are you? Yeah. Oh, was... God. Oh. And, you know, that gave me the willies before I um, became a parent three times over. So now the, <laughs> the, the thought of hearing that from my own child's voice and not being able to find them in my own house um, is absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. I'm not even a parent, and I can understand that. Like, it's just, <laughs> yee. In this episode, from your image, what, what what do you feel would be considered the turning point in the story? What 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 was the moment that made you stop and go, wait a minute? Uh, you know, it, it has um, it has a few of those kind of turns to it. Uh, certainly, when she notices the uh, the briefcase, sees herself in the mirror, um, and and even as she sees herself on the bus but I, I really I think the, the the most impactful is his doppelganger um, when he's uh, sees him run out the, the door um, I think that really is where it, <laughs> it kind of takes that um, extra turn and becomes what it, from takes it from what would be a good episode to one of the quintessential Twilight Zone episodes. 
I'm glad you I, I'm glad you think it's one of the quintessential ones. I definitely agree with that. Another person who found this episode to be pretty inspirational would be uh, Jordan Peele, who show ran the 2019 ep- in Twilight Zone with Simon Kinberg, the director of the X Files. Okay, excellent. Uh, in that same year, 2019, I believe Jordan Peele released an episode or a film that was heavily influenced by this, by the name of Us. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, I just watched, saw the trailer for that on uh, your, your recommendation, and um, yeah, it instantly recognized the uh, the, <laughs> the inspiration from this episode. Uh, and and you know, and we had been talking yeah earlier about how he would was the uh, showrunner for The Twilight Zone. And, um, and, you know, and good for him. I, I don't think that there was, they could have picked anyone um, better considering what he's done since then. I mean, he's like the king of horror movies, um, I, you know, I would say. I feel like he's in the last this suspenseful, like in the last like five or six years, like his name has been on some of the, not just best movies, but like, Groundbreaking in a lot of ways, um, you know, especially his take on race, um, which has been, I think, played into a, a, most, if not all, of his movies, and very effectively too. I yeah, feel like it's right. It's social commentary that really, really stands out and lasts, and really, really holds a strong impact, especially when the conversation is being held nowadays. Yeah. Another film director, another horror movie director that I always highly recommend, and once we wrap up season one here in Twilight Zone over the rim, we're going to be checking out a miniseries from this director. Excellent. And if you like, I'd love to have you on as one of the reactors for that. Oh, yeah. It's uh, The Fall of the House of Usher, directed (sighs) by Mike Flanagan. Okay, excellent. Another director that I truly think has just hit the nail every time. Is that this new new one yeah okay I'm, I have not seen it and but I remember you talking about it and you got me really hyped on it a few months ago so um, yes 100% can we just like, have a sit down and watch the whole thing kind of party absolutely yeah I'd love to have about four or five people we can just kick back that, and watch that yeah whole, that would be great and then I can get you guys on as we can just break it apart chapter yeah. by chapter for each episode I love that and uh, I'd love to get people's takes fresh for that yeah, because I I've definitely um, I, I've definitely read. I don't, I don't I, all is is a big word, but most <laughs> um, uh, of his work, and uh, but to see it all jammed together in one and modernized <laughs> and for modernized. Edgar Poe, I think it was a very unique take on it. Yeah, I've already seen the show, and I don't mind watching it again. It's like the Twilight Zone; I could watch it a couple times over, especially if it's a series I love. Yeah, I have to really like it, but um, but it, well, if, if it's like mini series, I feel a lot better than rewatching 150 episodes or something. Oh yeah, it's um, only eight episodes. I, I say as I'm in the middle of watching Dragon Ball again for the fifth time, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. Is, as I believe, right about 150 episodes. It's like uh, it's like One Piece. I don't mind dredging through the thousand episodes. <laughs> what? How do you? How, okay, okay. Throwing this out there, how do you rewatch One Piece when the show not only has has not ended, but has no end, will never end? That show is going to keep going until he dies. That's very fair. It's like Berserk. It'll just, it'll just keep <laughs> going and going. Um, all in all, just to wrap up on this episode of uh, Mirror Image, if you had to rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, one being one of the 
one of your least favorite Twilight Zone episodes to be one of ten, one of your favorites, and just one you could recommend to anybody who wanted to watch the Twilight Zone. What would you recommend this one objectively? Um, yeah, if we're, yeah, just comparing Twilight Zone episodes, uh, I mean, e- e- easily a nine, if not ten. Um, it it's got. Um, like I said, it's got all of the, the bits, all of the little things that you're like differentiate Twilight Zone from other shows, not only of the period, but ever. Um, you know, are there other episodes I like more? Yeah, maybe, um, but but not many. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, let's give this a nine point three. I could definitely agree with that for sure. But uh, my my scale is is really skewed they're probably all like seven and a half and up or a one and (laughs) and there's very few episodes where i'm like indifferent and it's all right and i'll rewatch it um i either like really love it or um or it's a big tall wish and i just i literally haven't watched it in 30 years because i hated it so much as a kid it's understandable (laughs) (laughs) but yeah with that being said, I do want to thank you for coming with me on this journey for this episode, and and thank you for choosing Mirror Image for the episode you wanted to react to for this season of The Twilight Zone. I do hope to see you back with me again over the rim for season two. I think we're going to be reacting to... Which episode did you decide on again for season two? Was it... Uh, I think it was Eye of the Beholder? I, you know, yeah, that's probably would probably be it. That's that that one is ten in my book. Um, it's excellent. It, there's there's too much going on. <laughs> I feel you. Well, when it comes to season two, I'm definitely gonna pull you back for that one, and I'd love to have you with me on the uh, reaction for uh, Follow the House of Usher as well. Um, in between seasons of The Twilight Zone, I'm gonna take at least one movie and one miniseries and react, and then just jump into the second season. Okay. Sweet. But again, Paul, I want to thank you for joining me over here uh, for this reaction and for this review and for this deep dive, semi deep dive. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. We've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm glad we finally uh, finally made it happen. Twilight Zone has always been one of my very favorite shows from my earliest recollections. Um, we watch it as often as possible. And that hasn't changed. It's it will never ever be bad to me. So, <laughs> thank you for doing this show. Um, I, I love it, and I can't wait to be back. Excellent. I can't wait to have you back. And uh, with that being said, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode, breaking down interesting factoids and discussing the twenty-first episode of the Twilight Zone. If you'd like to lend an ear for more Shadows and Substance, please be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I'm your host, Jerome Archuleta, and with you as always is Garth. Uh, I'm Paul Thompson. And as always, you'll find us 100 yards over the rim. Take care of yourselves, everybody. <laughs>